Philippians. And we've been walking through uh, Philippians and we will be today continuing our thoughts in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Last week, just to kind of get us back into the thought, we looked at the idea that if we as Christians are going to uh, let our manner of life or let our conduct be worthy of the gospel, as we talked about several weeks ago in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, then we need to let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let us esteem others better than ourselves. Sometimes that's a hard one, isn't it? All of that combined together sometimes becomes difficult because we always sometimes have a little bit of selfish attitude. Sometimes we want that pat on the back and that's really what drives us. But we saw the example Paul does such an excellent job of setting the tone for who we should follow. And who is it? None other than let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the humblest of the humble. We follow his example. We strive to be humble. We strive to be self-sacrificing. And when we do that, God has promised us an eternal weight of glory as we talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. See, it is with this example, it's with this thought that Jesus became highly exalted because of his humility, and he became the name that was above every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess his name because he's worthy. But it is with this example that we come to verses 12 and 13 that were just read by Tim, and I appreciate that, brother. But what can we learn from these verses? What application can we make for our lives as we consider what Paul is writing to these Philippian brethren? And really, verses 12 and 13 is a two-part thought. If you separate them, you get two different things. But if you put them together, you catch the blessing. Brethren, wouldn't you say that it's true that context is everything? The first thing to consider is this. We have a responsibility. Responsibility is a moral or a legal or a mental accountability to something. It is being responsible for something. Each day, I go over here behind the building to car pickup line, and I pick Libby up. Me and Libby are learning some things. I'm learning some things, and she is as well. One of them is I tell her every time we get ready to get out of the car at the house that she has to make sure that she takes care of her responsibility, I mean, I don't know, parents, maybe you've dealt with this struggle, but um, her responsibility is this. She needs to get her backpack and take it inside. Wouldn't you know that's a struggle? It's a problem sometimes for Libby to take care of her responsibility. Even when I say, hey, Libby, don't forget your responsibility. And the response is, oh, really? 
Can't you help me, Dad? Just get it. Babe, we're talking about your backpack. That's what we're talking about. It ain't even got nothing in it, right? Except your lunch pay. I mean, it's got, it's light. It's, It's not even heavy. But that responsibility to get her backpack and take it inside is a struggle sometimes. She would rather just let me do it. But you know, it's hard sometimes for us, and we understand that story, and it, I hope that it sets the tone for this thought, that it, it, it's a struggle sometimes for us to take responsibility for things in our lives. But we see that the Bible tells us that we all have a responsibility, and it's in regards to our salvation. Paul says in verse 12, that we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. He takes it to an uh, even deeper thought when he says, work out. It's important to recognize and realize that obeying the gospel, becoming a child of God is just the beginning. Amen. See, when you obey the gospel and you become added to the family of God, that's just the beginning of the journey. Your sins are forgiven. You're cleansed of all unrighteousness. You're added to his body. And all spiritual blessings come within Christ Jesus. But see, there's more to it. See, the Bible tells us this. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Peter chapter three, verse 14, the Bible says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, to be found by him without spot and blameless. See, in 2 Peter chapter 3, just a little bit down from that verse, in verse 18, it says, but you are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because see, to him be the glory, both now and forever. Why would we be diligent to do these things? Why does the Bible tell us after becoming a child of God that we still have some things to do? Because Hebrews chapter one gives this thought. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. Why? Because if we don't, we may drift away. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you thought, where am I at? Where am I at, Lord? You seem so far away. What happened? What happened to me? I was doing so good and now all of a sudden I feel so far from you. See, Jesus tells the Christians in Smyrna who were struggling under heavy persecution. He said, you guys are going to be imprisoned. Things are going to happen to you that you will not like. But he says to them, be faithful to me until death and I'll give you something. I will give you a crown of life. See, becoming his child is just the beginning of the journey. Understanding the gospel means that God wants us to do our part because he did his. Amen. He gave his son for us. 
We didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. And how do we answer this question, show our appreciation as his child? With half effort, with a quarter effort, with three quarters effort. Or do we not, should we not be diligent to show ourselves approved to God? Because he's that worthy. See, the interesting thing that Paul adds on to the end of this verse is he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Brethren, the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31 about our God who we serve. It says, it is a fearful thing to fall into his hands. See, before we can be successful as a Christian, we must understand who the Almighty is and what he can do. See, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom is understanding just who our God is. Paul is writing to Christians who have already been added to the family of God. Yet Paul speaks of salvation as this process. When we looked at 1 Thessalonians uh, in our time before, verse 4 and 3 brings this concept up. It's what you would call sanctification. See, when you're saved, you're sanctified. But the goal is to become more and more set apart. Not because I'm earning anything. See, works ain't going to earn you nothing. But because I'm created in Christ Jesus for this. See, it goes back to the motives of your heart. See, do I just get something and say, hey man, I appreciate it and then never show my thankfulness for it? It goes back to this illustration. If you had a fire at your house and you're about to die and the firemen come in and save your whole family, what would you say to them? What would you do to them? How would you talk to them? Would you show your gratitude or would you just say, hey man, I appreciate it and never talk to them again? I don't think so. What can I do to help you, man? I'm going to fix you some food. Can I, can I do something for you, man? I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. See, the will of God is our sanctification. Oh, just let this build up. Just let me set this up. Don't jump to some conclusions yet. Just follow me along in this story. And I promise at the end, you'll see the blessing. I promise you'll see it. See, Paul speaks of salvation as a process by which these Christians must continue to obey as they already have been doing. As he says early in the verse, they have to work out their salvation. See, obedience to the gospel is simply just the beginning. God's got way bigger plans for you. <laughs> See, I got rid of that sin. Now I got some work to do. Now I got something for you. Baptism is not the end point, but it's the beginning point. See, Paul tells these Christians that they are running well. He says, as you have always obeyed, but they must continue to run well all the way to the finish line. See, Philippians chapter 3 brings this point out, and it's really where he's going, and we'll look at it in several weeks. He says, I press towards the goal for the prize. You remember the thought? Nobody runs a race just to run it. 
Why do we run the race? Because I'm about to win, man. You don't even know how much I've been training. <laughs> I'm ready for the race because I'm wanting to win. Paul says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The first thing to consider is we all have a responsibility. But the second thing is this. And see, y'all should be happy. It's only two points and the lesson's yours. The second one is this. Is God working in us? There's something we have to understand as Christians. And this really gets to why God has given us his word and what he wants us to understand, how important it is for our lives. See, let me, let me say that one more time. There's something that we have to understand as Christians. And this really gets to why God has given us this Bible. It really gets to why this word is so important, why he wants us to be diligent, to understand it, to be able to rightly divide it. There's a reason for that. See, God is doing his work to fulfill his purpose. This is an amazing and incredible thought. God is doing his work in us to fulfill his purpose. But that only happens when we take responsibility for our salvation. See, I want to be faithful until death. Why? Because I want a crown of life. How about you? Notice that verses 12 and 13 are linked together as effect and cause. Let me read it one more time. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. <laughs> See, our work is the effect, and God's work is the cause of our work. We work because God works. Please don't miss this. Please, please, can I have just a minute of your time? Can I have just your ear for just a few minutes? Don't miss this part. You want to talk about being excited. You want to talk about being fired up. You want to talk about having a zeal. God will work through you. Don't you want him to? See, we work because God works. Or to say this another way, our work is empowered by God's work. What you talking about, Matt? The scripture gives us this picture many, many times. Back in Philippians chapter one, look with me real quick. Philippians chapter one, verse nine. Look at what Paul says. He says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That's his prayer, that it'll grow more and more in knowledge and discernment. And then he says this, that you may approve the things that are excellent. See, when I grow more and more in knowledge and discernment, I can start approving the things that are excellent. Now my life is working because I'm listening to what he says, right? 
that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. And what happens to you? Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Isn't it a blessing to eat a fruit that is ripe? Or y'all like them sour ones, right? Libby says she doesn't eat oranges, she eats mandarin oranges, okay? But the mandarin oranges that we got, halos, right? Is that what they called? I don't, maybe I'm not right. Some of them halos that you get in the winter, man, they're sour, boy. But the ones in the summer, they taste a whole lot better, right? What kind of fruit do we want to give people? See, he says this thought in Colossians chapter one, verse two as well. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, he wants you to be successful. Look at what Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and 10 says. See, it gets into this concept. Your works ain't gonna do nothing for your salvation. But see, God's doing something through you because he loves you. For by grace you've been saved through your faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And note what he says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's work working through us. How about that? The scripture speaks of our work as fruit. We read about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. We are told to bear fruit and that we will bear fruit if we are the branches attached to the vine, right? John chapter 15. But listen to Ezekiel. Let me take you back to a prophet. Those things which were written before were written for our learning. Romans chapter 15, verse four. And look what Ezekiel says. And I really, uh, if you got a verse that you want to meditate on, if you got a verse that you want to consider, if you got some verses that you want to put to your mind this week, these are them. Ezekiel chapter 36, look at verses 25 through 27. It says this, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you'll do them, actually do them. You remember, it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to know it. It's one thing to even be cut by it, but it's a totally different thing to know it, to be cut by it, and then actually do it, right? That's Christianity. How's your heart? Is it like stone? When you hear the word and it begins to come into your heart, is it so hard? Are you so checked out? Could you care less that it just bounces right off? Or are there things that you know you need to fix? There's some things that you need to do. 
that will help you grow closer to him. See, that's what he's talking about. Please notice that God says that he will cause his people to walk in his statutes and cause them to be careful to obey his rules. This is the same as Paul's words. That God is at work within us to will and to work for his or to do for his good pleasure. When we decide to follow Christ with everything... When we took the Great Commission serious to go out into the world and preach the gospel, what we decided to do was to deny ourselves. It was to pick up our cross and it was to follow Jesus wherever he went every single day. Amen? Isn't that what we decided to do, Christians? See, we do good works because God's amazing grace is in our lives. The more we know God, the more we desire to walk in his ways. And I want to close with these thoughts. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, maybe, it says it, sorry about that. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God has given us everything that we need which pertains to our life and how to be godly. Why? Why did he do that? So that we may become partakers of the divine nature. See, so we should make every effort to add to our faith. And we talked about this the last summer series, adding to our faith all of these qualities. But see, these two things work together so that we will not be ineffective or unfruitful and will not fall. So how do we work out our salvation with fear and trembling? We don't do it by demanding a life of perfection because that ain't happening. Amen? That's not the point that Paul's making. God is bringing about our obedience. God is enabling us to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, that's the beauty of what Paul says. I am an ambassador for Christ. How about us? Does it even matter anymore? Have you lost touch with what the gospel did to your life? You was dead in your sins. You was without hope. You wasn't going to make it. The payment for the way that you were living without Jesus is death. But Jesus said, I'm going to come along and I'm going to save your life. And is that not enough to save your life? Brethren, I haven't been a Christian too long, but I've been a Christian long enough for it to die out in my life. And brethren, I stand before you today saying the same zeal, the same passion, the same love is here today. Why? Because people will die today 
without hope. But see, I'm a debtor. See, I owe it to somebody. I owe it, I owe it to somebody to tell them about the hope that I have within me. I don't know if we just don't see it. I don't know if we just don't grasp it. I don't know what it is. Satan is so powerful at blinding us from the zeal and the compassion that we should have. I talked to the young adults down in class, and Jesus said, it's four months to the harvest, but if you'll look up, you can see the fields are white for harvest. The Samaritans were coming to him. Huh. It's ready. See, I planted the seed, and now you can reap. You can water. Do we want that? Say his name. Proclaim it. You want to know what changes people's lives when Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? Oh, they say, you John, man. They say, you a prophet, man. He said, well, who do you say that I am? You know what Peter said? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And you know what that confession did? Jesus said, I will build my church on that confession. That's powerful stuff, man. That's powerful stuff. See, we don't just drift towards godliness. We don't drift towards holiness. We drift away from it. But see, God is enabling us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We have a responsibility to continue to work and bring about our salvation because God is at work through that work. But you're not left to do it by yourself. God is not asking the impossible from us. I think Paul offers it the best when he says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. How about you? Could you say the same? By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me, it wasn't in vain. I needed it. He said, but I labored more abundantly than all of them. He said, I worked harder than everybody. But then he says this, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. See, the reason why I was able to do what I needed to do, the reason why I was so abundantly laboring was because God was with me. We're working hard because God is working with us. God doesn't do the work for us like a parent doing your child's homework. God has made it possible to obey and bring about our salvation by giving believers access to the power to do it. Do we think about our Christian walk? from time to time? Do we think about our obedience to the Lord? Do we realize that we are the instruments for his glory and for his purpose? See, our obedience of faith will grow and improve as we allow God to work in our lives, but that only happens when we read and apply and do his word. What will we do different this year? How's your New Year's resolutions going, brethren? 
I hope you're staying strong with them. I hope you keep doing them. But here's a New Year's resolution. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And watch what happens to your life. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. We can pray with you. Thank you, friends, for being here. Thank you, guests, for being here. I, I love you guys so much. I'm so thankful that you decided to come our way. Come back and please be with us. But friend, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you need to become a part of the family of God. You do it by believing who Jesus is, that he came to this earth, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again on the third day. You do it by repenting of your sins, turning from your way of living, and turning towards God and say, I'm going to live like you. You do it by confessing his name, saying that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you do it by being immersed in water. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then Jesus said, as we talked about earlier, be faithful to me and I'll give you a crown of life. Maybe you want to take that step today. Be bold, be courageous. God is with you. Whatever you need, please come right now. Together we stand and sing.